We all know someone who asks to pay more than they would like for prescription medicines. We've read and listened to the news when major pharmaceutical companies are accused of overcharging for drugs. But why does it have to be this way? And what can we do about it? I'm Martin Beanie, and this is 1869, the Cornell University Press podcast. In this episode, Fran Quigley, author of Prescription for the People, an activist guide to making medicine affordable for all, joins me to discuss the predicament of overpriced medicine and the ways in which we can help push for change. Fran is the clinical professor and director of the Health and Human Rights Clinic at Indiana University McKinney School of Law. He is the author of If We Can Win Here, How Human Rights Can Build Haiti, and Walking Together, Walking Far. He's also co-founder of People of Faith for Access to Medicines. Well, welcome, Fran. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Martin. My pleasure. My pleasure. So your uh, your book is really kind of uh, looking at the problem in this country with prescription medicine. Um, but why do we even have that problem? Well, we really have that problem because we have this amazing set of legal and financial structures that, on when it comes to prescription medicines, that are completely to the benefit of. The pharmaceutical companies. They are of the pharmaceutical companies, by the pharmaceutical companies, for the pharmaceutical companies. They, we, we have written our laws. We have set up the system so that it is, it is about maximizing profit. It's about monopolies, and it's not about people who are sick and in pain getting medicine thinking. So you mentioned uh, monopolies there, which made me just think I was listening to um, Malcolm Gladwell on, sadly, not my podcast, <laughs> but... Um, yeah. And he was mentioning that uh, he was talking about Google and Amazon and Facebook and, and things like that. But he was saying, you know, it's about time we had a resetting of the monopolization of industry that we go through this every sort of, you know, 50, 60, 70 years. Um, are we at that point with, with the pharmaceutical companies? Well, I hope so. And, and frankly, I hope that this book helps spur the kind of uh, activism that would make that happen. And I think that there's a lot of reason to, to be optimistic about that. Uh, number one, these monopolies, the idea that you can take a life-saving, life-essential medicine and, and create a monopoly around it, that's actually contrary to the way uh, countries and cultures have treated medicines for generation after generation. They've been off-limits to monopolies, off-limits to profiteering. But really, in the last 40 years, the pharmaceutical industry has effectively created an international, and, and here in the U.S., a national structure to allow them to have these monopolies. But at the same time, you know, these prices have gone up so crazy high, with average of 12 10% a year, many, many medicines much, much higher than that, that, they, that there's enormous grassroots frustration and anger. Almost everybody knows someone who has not been able to fill a prescription or, or cuts down on their doses because they can't afford it. So that kind of grassroots populist pressure, uh, I hope, does exactly that. It cause a re-examination of why are we handing out these uh, monopolies on, on these medicines that people need to, to stay alive. Right. I mean, we were we were at Book Expo earlier together this, this year, and you were 
uh, signing advanced copies of your book, and and you 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 know it struck me that you asked everybody that came up, or you said to everybody that came up, you know, do you have anybody who's gone through uh, problems with having you know trying to get medicines and literally every single person said yes and so that grassroots pressure i mean and it's a small sample i realize but every single person knew somebody or had gone through this themselves so do you see that as the um as, as wait i'm going to ask you about the future right now and then we'll go back to the past but do you see that as the future of, of this of uh, dealing with this problem I do, I do, because, uh, again, if you want to just look at the, the data, it's something like one out of every five, one out of every four Americans each year has skipped prescriptions, skipped filling prescriptions, skipped doses as a result of not being able to afford the cost. Um, you have folks who are, have insurance, people who have insurance through their workplace, but their deductible is really high, or they have Medicare, which doesn't, uh, the baseline program doesn't cover medicines, or even uh, their Part D program has a hole in it where people can't afford their medicines or deductibles and co-pays are too high. So, so yeah, you do find, and, it, and certainly in the talking about this over the years, I almost never find someone who doesn't know somebody or have, a, frankly, usually a very close uh, relative or loved one who struggled this way. And that's led to this, this really strong support for reform. There's something like 82% of Americans in some polls support that the the law needs to be changed at the federal level to allow greater access. And that includes urban folks, rural folks, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberal. It, it, it's not a partisan issue. It's not a uh, demographic issue. It's it's gotten so out of control that, that people are really, really frustrated across the board. And what we need to do, and that's what the, the book's intended to do, is be an activist guide. Let's, let's turn this kind of generalized frustration into a real coherent movement to, to see that there's change. You know, that's, um, you said 82% of people support some kind of, of reform. It seems uh, there are not many issues in our current society where that kind of uh, percentage is in agreement with each other. So that's where we are right now. But how did we get here? Like, how did we get to this place? What's the history here? Well, it's a very, uh, it's a very clear in recent history, and that is it's this where how we got here as a result of a very, very successful, um, determined uh, effort by an industry, the pharmaceutical industry, to create at the international level uh, what's called the TRIPS Agreement. The TRIPS Agreement is the International Intellectual Property Agreement to make sure that that monopolies um, uh, and patents on medicines are respected across the world before the TRIPS agreement, and we're literally talking in the 1970s, 1980s, before the TRIPS agreement, most countries were not recognizing that medicines could be monopolized because they understood what that would do in terms of cost. And at the national level, we have something called the Bayh-Dole Act of 1980, which is a really extraordinary piece of legislation, again, pushed by the pharmaceutical industry, which very effectively uh, employees. It's one of the top uh, spending lobbyists of any industry. It's one of the top spending campaign contributors, political campaign contributors of any industry. And the Bayh-Dole Act of 1980 actually allowed and continues to allow when there is research on a medicine that's funded by the federal government, if that medicine looks like it's going to be promising, the rights to it are handed over. The monopoly rights to it are handed over to private industry uh, who then turn around and charge the, the jacked up prices, not just to individuals, but also 
to, to the government itself that actually funded the research to begin with. So the Medicaid, Medicare, VA programs are actually paying hugely inflated costs for medicines that we discovered. We, the taxpayers, pay for the discovery. So those pieces of, of, of legislation and a few other companions ones, but they actually created what we have now, and, and we didn't have this 40 years ago. This is a pretty new phenomenon. Hmm. So I, I, I get now why 82% of people think there's a problem. Um, and, and you mentioned, and as you said, the book is, is essentially really a, a, an activist guide in many ways, as the subtitle says. So what's one way that uh, we can help, or we can move towards trying to solve these problems? Well, there's, there's I think, a, a few pieces of pretty low-hanging fruit. One is that at the United States level, um, if we, the taxpayers, have paid for the discovery for a medicine, which for most critical medicines we have paid at the earliest, riskiest stage, it's been taxpayer-funded through the National Institutes of Health for the most part, um, then those medicines need to be available for everyone uh, who needs them. And that actually is current law now. We just need to push uh, the, the current occupants of the White House, the current administration, whoever that may be, and the bipartisan administrations haven't taken action on this, to, to allow if the taxpayers paid once, the taxpayers shouldn't have to be price gouged at the back end. And that's the kind of thing, as you could imagine, Martin, if you ask folks, uh, Republicans, Democrats, rich, poor, whatever, they completely agree with that. The taxpayers are getting ripped off in, in this uh, current uh, current situation, and that needs to be fixed. So that's a real easy first step, which would be really impactful. Um, another one, again, in the U.S. would be that our Medicare program does uh, has just, again, this was just recently in 2003, the U.S. Congress decided our Medicare program should not be allowed to negotiate down the price of medicines it pays, not use its bulk purchasing power to negotiate down the price of medicines. Again, the pharmaceutical industry won. They successfully pushed uh, pushed for that. Um, that's something that, again, President Trump even has campaigned on opposing this. Um, very free market conservatives oppose this because it just is the opposite of a free market of a negotiated state. If we switch that, if we allow the Medicare program to negotiate the price of drugs, that starts to get us in line with what we see, you always hear about medicine in Canada costs one-third of cost in the U.S. or the U.K. or Japan. Um, that can happen in the U.S. as well because the biggest difference is those companies, those countries, they negotiate down the price of medicines. We have voluntarily, uh, due to pharma lobbying, uh, said we're not going to do that. Hmm. So, so big pharma is, is you know, the, the powerful player in this, as you said, you know, they're very successful lobbyists. Um, and little old you and I are out on the streets, grassroots activists campaigning. What, like, what chance do we have? Well, I think when you, to circle back to that number, that 82% number support Medicare negotiations, something like 77% think drug prices are, are unreasonable. Uh, we have Republicans at the state level, many state lawmakers, including the Republican of Gov governor of Nevada, just signed a, a big uh, insulin price uh, uh, transparency bill. We have representatives from all kinds of different states who are Republicans and Democrats alike. So I think there's enough popular support for a little old us to change this because we're not alone. 
Um, but what we need to do, of course, that's, that's uh, uh, advocacy 101, is we need to organize. We need to come together. And part of the book is, is identifying, especially at the end, what groups are doing great work. And I urge readers to get connected to folks like Public Citizen is doing great advocacy on that. We have an organization called People of Faith for Access to Medicine, getting the faith communities involved in this. Um, we see Doctors Without Borders does some terrific advocacy. Uh, there's a, a university, the Live for Essential Medicine, the student-led group. There are groups out there doing this work, um, and they just uh, they would benefit from all of us who care about it. Uh, going to their websites, uh, getting connected, and saying, "What can we do to help?" All right, I think you've given us uh, certainly a, at the very least a roadmap or a first step to take there. So hopefully, everybody who listens to this, and hopefully everybody who uh, purchases your book and reads it, um, will get out there and will. We'll push for this because it, it seems sort of a no-brainer. I hope so. I hope so. That sounds great. That's, uh, that's definitely what the, the book is intended to accomplish, so I hope so. All right, Fran, I really appreciate it. Let's, uh, let's uh, keep, you know, keep thinking positively on this, and, and hopefully we'll get some, some good news. And thanks again for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you, Martin. That was Fran Quigley, author of Prescription for the People, An Activist's Guide to Making Medicine Affordable for All. To learn more about Fran's work in this field, visit pfamrx.org. And to save 30% on Fran's book, visit cornellpress.cornell.edu and enter code 09POD when you check out. You've been listening to 1869, the Cornell University Press Podcast.